0: So last week we began exploring, in a sense, the uh, mission statement of the teaching of the Baal Shem Tov, the mission statement that he deduced from, after getting an answer from the the Mashiach, right, (laughs) when are you going to come, when your wellsprings burst outward and everybody can perform Yehudim like you can and, in a sense, reach your spiritual level, which made the Baal Shemba feel extremely despondent. But he came up with a, another strategy. He said, but this much I know. Yeah, and he talked about the letters and the, wor- the worlds and souls and divinity that's hanging on every letter. And the etza to have the kavanah of this when we engage in Avodat Hashem, and to include our souls Together with all of those deeper manifold realms of, of existence. And we went from there to begin reading into the P. Setzner's um, expansion, explanation of really what what is the Chirush of the Baal what is the path of the Baal So here in Parak Gimel, the third paragraph of Mevo HaSha'arim, we read the first chunk, the first paragraph where the Rabbi was basically saying that the vision of a messianic world is (laughs) the earth being filled with godly awareness like water fills the ocean um, which is expressing a total and utter fullness of that awareness and state of being like water fills the ocean because there is no ocean other than the water that fills it right and he went on to say that the beginning of bringing that awareness into the world is encapsulated in the Baal Shem Tov's teaching, Melochola Ha'aretz Kvodo. Malochol Kvodo. That the artziyut, earthliness, creatureliness, earthly existence, physical, material, life itself is filled with Kvod Hashem, is none other than an illumination of of godliness, right? And he he began, in beginning, we're going to go further into this in the coming pages, the coming weeks, but he, he began saying that this conception is completely different than saying there is an earth that God is at the root of, that God creates, that God can be found within, right? This is saying, no, there is no split between earthly and godly. Earthly is an emergent form of godly. And the shift the Mamash paradigm shift that the Baal Shem Tov and his students came to teach and continue to teach is how to guide us towards beginning to um, experience that and absorb that awareness more and more. Uh, the image the Rabbi gave was, if, we, if the world can't get used to the beginning rays of that dawn, of that light, we will never allow for the full sun to rise. And so that dawning awareness is is what we're engaged in, and, and, and he sees bichlal the whole path of chasidut as the stage that preempts and brings the that great full mashiachde consciousness to to the earth. Here, yeah, let's recap. The rabbi continues. <laughs> These, these words that they're being using, hamshacha and hishtal shalut, are, are classical words in the Kabbalistic literature. A hamshacha is a drawing, a drawing down, and a hishtal is, in a sense, an unfolding. Uh, right, a shalshelet uh, is a chain-like unfolding. So what what in, in the Kabbalistic terminology, what these are talking about are the further extension of um, the... The divine light, or the, the self constricting and, and unfolding into more and more material existence. Okay? But the Rebbe is now applying these words to not only the initial process of creation or the structure of the cosmos, but the ongoing evolutionary process of reality. That's a lot of words. Let's just read what he says and then. Let's <laughs> see. All of the drawings of divine. Being into material existence. All of the unfolding of God into creation at each stage have always been a furthering and a lowering. You hear that? Like a lowering from the origin in God into our earthly existence. And all of those stages, all of those stages, ha'ita. They were all drawing divine light into the vessels of creation. <coughs> hey, we have these, these basic ter- terms, um, just so we're all on the same page, or and calium. These terms familiar a little bit. Light and vessels. Light and vessels. Light is the term used to, to describe. Again, these are all um, nicknames, so to speak. It's, it's using terminology to name things that cannot accurately be named. But on R. Per, per um, perceptive scale, this is what we how we can relate to them: the light of God, so to speak, the the spiritual energy of godliness, and the vessels, which is the the material um, reality. Yeah. So, so at every stage in history, every stage from the beginning of creation until until uh, as we're going to see until the Kavanu V'ashemto, the Rebbe is saying that each stage was witnessing a further deposit, so to speak, or, or lowering saturation of God's light into material existence, into the vessels of material being. God is coming further in at every stage. I, the image here is more divine light entering filling in the khalin more and more, the vessels more and more. This process was not mimicked By the Baal Shem Tov and his students. It was something new. Now, it already becomes a little surprising here. Because when the Rebbe is using words like Hamshacha and Hishashalut, you think the Rebbe is talking about what is God doing in creation. God is drawing more godliness into earthly existence. More and more, more and more, more and more. But then all of a sudden, he's saying, No, the, the Baal Shem Dov and his students are themselves a Hamshacha, a Hitgalut, a drawing of, of God's being into earthly being. Meaning, as we'll see much more explicitly as we read on, he does not view these um, processes of. You know, new spiritual teaching as oh, it just happened to be someone arose, it was the zeitgeist of the time and he was a smart guy and he figured something out new and had a new novel teaching. This isn't happening in a vacuum. that The new teachings that are emerging in the world are part and an expression of this unfolding, ongoing process of godliness filling earthliness. Okay, let's see as we go on. It was something new. What, what, what the, Shem, the teaching of the Baal Shem Tov, the arrival of the Baal Shem Tov, the revolution of the Baal Shem Tov and his Tamidim and his path, is, it, it represents a drawing of God even into the walls of the vessels themselves. Meaning, not just, the, the, again, the imagery. It's not just the imagery that you have a pot and you fill it, and you fill it. And and over millennia, it becomes filled and filled and filled more and more with something that we can point to and see, oh, there's a God. Oh, there's a God. Oh, there's a God. But they're saying, no, by the time the Tov comes with his teaching, the clay itself, the the clay walls themselves are being saturated by God's light. And look, to the point where the vessels themselves are to be transformed into light. And not so much that they are transformed into light, but rather their light is becoming revealed. The godliness of earthly material existence itself is is coming to light, is becoming known. It's not so much a, it's not an artificial process where that thing becomes transformed into something else. It's not some kind of like alchemy or whatever. It's that, there, that awareness, again, the dot, malahar is dot at Hashem, that dot is permeating physical existence itself, the vessels themselves. Kimahem, because what, after all, are these vessels that we talk about? Hashem meor, imken or Hashem heima. Those vessels, all of the things, the stuff of creation. God created from that same original light that everything else is is fueled by. So how can we say that in essence they are anything different than that same divine energy that, that fuels creation? Here it's not like, it's not like God took um, hired a contractor with like beams and poles and and cement and like took external material to create the world. No, this is all a further and further and further extension of godly reality becoming material reality. And so the process that that the P.S.S. is describing here is the world over time coming to be aware of the truth of that process, the truth of reality, that things as they are, are nothing other than the manifestation of of God in the present moment, in in the dimensionality of space and time and 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 physical physicality, but it's it's taking all of human history to come to a dawning awareness of that. I I'll tell you one way that I think about this, and this is my own stos potentially, <laughs> but uh, we dive in the morning. Baruch Shem Aravaya Baruch. Yeah. So one way to imagine that is. Well, there's a few ways. One way to imagine that is God once said something and then there was a world. Blessed is that original creator. Baruch Oh, by the way, you switch it to present tense. Omer Baruch, what is it? Bereshit? Is that part it? Anyway. Anyway. That's one way to say it, that it. We're talking about the God who once created the world. Another way to say it is Baruch Amravaya Baruch is we're recognizing that God is constantly creating the world, yeah, but still, it's like God what speaks. It's, I, I almost see like a, a speech bubble, like in cartoons, like God speaks, and then like world comes into being as two distinct entities God spoke, and, and there is a world, and there was a world. There's another way, Bokh <laughs> Shamar, Blessed is the one who who speaks, who expresses. And manifests as world. Who becomes the world? You hear that? Like the greatest chesed God has done to, for us is, is transform God's own self into whatever we call this thing. The Haya has the same letters as Shem Hashem. Whatever, you can, you can play around with it. Aruch Shem that recognition of, oh, wow. This is, this is it in the here and the now. Okay, the Rebbe is going to go on, and and um, I, I'm actually going to skip over the next to the next paragraph. But I'll, I'll summarize because he he's going to bring in some um, kabbalistic terminology from the Kitvei Ari and, and his Talmudin to describe the same kind of nikudah that he's describing here. Um, and basically, he brings a few sources here from the Yitzchayim and the Kitvei Ari that describe that the source that in the source the the source of vessels, of Kalim, of otiot, of letters, of these concrete, particular kind of manifestations of creation is actually rooted in a higher and more original place than the orot of them, than all of the kind of divine um, vitality that that fills them, that infuses them. This is all to say that it's giving another um, window, another articulation of the same principle that kelim, Particular forms and expressions and stuff, stuff, material existence is actually rooted in a more original place within the divine than um, than the light itself. And this is just to support the idea, he's saying that the Kaelin themselves are, are divine. They are nothing other than an expression of God. And in a sense, higher than that which fills them. Um, and then he goes on, It's not just reading this, you know, in depth in the time but you can, you can understand this principle with just a simple, just to, just to think about it. What was, the, what was God's intention in creating Kalim, in creating earthly, earthliness, and creating all these confined forms that we were part of? And that, that, that compose our world. The purpose of them was the so that God's light and being can be known, so that the world can come to know God. Right? Or in the Alashana that God creates the world begin the inamay, so that God can be known. It's the particularities and the also different beings that allow for there to be God known to others. So the kelims themselves are there to be vessels that reveal God. Without those, those vessels being created, there would be no ability for this light to be revealed. And it's only through those vessels that, that, that this revelation can come about. The we can see by, by a human being who creates Somebody who's creating something, who's building something. So, the one who's building, the one who's making something, and the vessels that they use to make that are two separate entities. I'm a carpenter. This is my wood. So it's possible when a human being creates that, as much as the end goal of what I'm cre- of my creative process is to do good, the means by which I do it may involve things that are not good. It may involve suffering. It may involve pain. He's going to give his own mashah, but even in the mashal I just gave, the carpenter has to kill trees to, to build a table. Oh, I have a great great thing that's going to come out of this. It has a good purpose. I have a, a great purpose in, in what I'm doing, but it's the process involves suffering and involves pain. Now he gives an example. Okay, so think about a, a surgeon, a doctor who's here to help a sick person. So a, a doctor is trying to save someone's life. But to to, to to perform the surgery, they have to cut their flesh. They have to cause pain. There's something violent being done here to the patient. Oh, of course it's necessary. Of course, it's good in its ultimate goal. But the means through which that goal is achieved is through things that are not good in, on their own. There's a separation here. <laughs> This is not the case in God's creation. In God's creative process, where everything is ruchani, everything is of a spiritual existence, and all of God's doings and actions are are not using things external to God. There is nothing external to God in God's creative process. And now he brings uh, from the Rambam, the Rambam has a famous formulation that God is the the knower, and that which is known. That there's not a distinction between um, God's consciousness that fuels creation and God's own being. This is all happening within God's self. (laughs) So if this being the case, so this this process of creating kelim, of creating material existence, creating limitation, or of creating through limitation. So these vessels themselves are nothing other than, <speaking in Hebrew> what are they created from? What are they created from? They're created from this same light of God's consciousness and will. These are words that, you know, again, we're, we're guessing at things. We're trying to give language to it. But there's, they're, 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 they too emerge from within God's own being. Okay, and then, so then, and what, what was God's desire that these kelim are, are are here for? These kelim, God wants these kelim to be known, to be revealed. Ah, but to be revealed and to be known, it has to happen through limitation, through concealing, through disappearing. Through making God appear absent, through making these things seem to be their own entities, their own things. It's the only way for that desire, for that ratsan to be to be manifested. It means the inner will and desire and purpose that is that creates these kelims, these created, kelims are mamash composed from. And the inner dimension and the inner being of these, of things themselves, of material life itself, is hitkalut adokit. It is this divine revelation. It is this God showing God's self to the world to be known. But their outer casings, their outer... Perception is 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 not revelatory it 's the opposite it 's hiding god from us it's concealing it's containing confining before that, 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 that Consciousness is really here, and fully present. So, what's apparent to us, what we're looking at, is the yut. We're not seeing the inner reality or dimension of things. We're seeing yeah, the external, the externality. Again, the externality, which is the hester. It is the, the the concealing power. That external casing, that external. Perception is so powerful that even if it's in in its essence, it is something godly, it can become in this world something cruel, something unholy, something that opposes God's purpose. This is not the case anymore in that future that future time, that future consciousness, when the inner quality of things will truly be revealed, not just the hiding quality, not just the power of concealment, but the revelatory quality. And here, this isn't something we can like fully understand because it's again Torah of the future. <laughs> He's quoting now a teaching from the Baal Shem Tov. <speaking in Hebrew> So this is a teaching of the Baal Shem Tov that there's a the archangel of Ra of of the other side. It's called Samach Mem. His name is Samael, and, uh, and the Baal Shem Tov says Ah. So Samach Mem that has to do with that. That power of opposition, but El—that's a—that's a name of God. This is an angelic force, after all. The angel of evil is an angel, ah, but we experience the deathly quality, the evil that 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 energy brings to the world. Rosh says in the future, right? The, the Nefi says, "Bala <laughs> that death will be swallowed, will be extinguished for all eternity in the future. So Hashem says, the Mem from the Samech Mem will be removed. And what will be left as is Samech Aroflamed, which is a Kabbalistic name of Havaya Anut, which is, in a sense, representing God's being, suffusing all of reality. So, comes the Baal Shem Tov and teaches, V'gama be'atzma'am afshal shel that future reality that's being described by the, by the Navim, it involves the Kalim themselves, the vessels, the, 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 the entirety of this worldliness, that the holiness of this worldliness, in all of its manifestation, everywhere, to even just imagine that for a moment is, is, is difficult, but to, to imagine for a moment that Everything in the earthly lives and existence that we know of now will be revealed in its in its divine nature, in its holiness. All of it. ha'aretz What it means, the earth being filled with De'at Hashem, is that the earthliness, Ar-tziyut, will be clear, will be clear completely in its in its in its kedusha. So the Ba'al Shem Dov, as we know, drew great opposition. People said, "Well, why is it that nobody beforehand said this stuff? Nobody else read that pasuk and, and came to the conclusions you did." Why are you coming and 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 changing the way to understand this that every all the previous generations have have held? Who says that you can come along and just make this new radical claim? Which, in a, in a little bit of a deeper way, what, 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 real, what really the opposition was, was, no, but no, Mr. Baal Shem Tov, Israel Ba'al Shem, What we've all known until now is that there is an earth, there is physical reality. It is not godly, but it is a place where God can be discovered, where God's glory can be manifest. manifest, shown into. But it's not like you're saying that the earth itself is this godly revelation. Where do you come from to say such things? But the Rabbi says, we've, we've already spoken and, and, and taught time and time again. All of the holy teachers, the fiery torches, the lights of the world. They were not simply speaking new pshatim, a new idea, a new teich, a pasuk. Their Torah was not a new intellectual conclusion that they came to. Their teaching was drawing actual souls into existence. It was bringing divine being into the earthly reality. This is what, what I, I said before the rabbi was in a at. You could see this in his language. The teaching is a hamshachah. The teaching is it is engaging in this process that he's describing. The teaching itself is what is bringing God into reality. This is the vehicle. This is what a true spiritual teacher is doing throughout the ages. Darby says Our true spiritual teachers are themselves participating in this process of drawing Elohut into Artsiyut, of drawing godliness into into the world. You think about just take a step back. You think about what he's describing that that the messianic consciousness is, is is the world coming to an awareness of God. Well, any teacher who's truly changing our perception to become more aware of God as a people, as a as a as a world, as humanity, all of those teachers are are in a sense they're they're what. Role, role players and, and, and furthering that process. They're furthering that process. They're not teaching nice ideas. And before the Baal Shem Tov's time, before he, he, he came and set foot on this earth, the avoda, the process of the world, was, was, was still following this pattern of drying. That inner light to fill the vessels, to fill the vessels, but but again, not for the vessels themselves to be revealed, but for there to be light revealed within vessels. And the holiness. What is the holy? What is the holiest purpose we could speak of? kalium until that point. And here, Kaliim we'll see much more explicitly. But Kaliim is not only referring to earth in some theoretical ways. Talking about the body. It's talking about body, bodily processes. It's talking about human emotions and experience. The, the best that a human being could do would sanctify themselves to be somehow an appropriate vessel to receive something Godly. That God can somehow dwell in this world that we've sanctified enough to be worthy of. Yeah? or According to the... Um, degree of refinement and and self sanctifying. Ah, so to that degree, there can be a a a clear open up to receive divine light. So what? So because that was the process that the world was engaged in. You see how the Rebbe is is seeing the reality here. Because that was the process the world was engaged in. So when the greatest tzaddikim read this pasuk, that is what they saw. They saw Malochalah speaking to the reality that they were living in, which is the earth can be refined and sanctified to be an appropriate place for God to dwell within, for that or Hashem to, in a sense, descend into and fill. To, to teach me that somehow. Within those vessels, there is a light of God and a vitality, a source that is giving them existence. Lo This wasn't the case when the Baal Shem Tov arrived. When the Baal Shem Tov arrived on the scene, et or gam shalakelim shegam hem or velo mastirim The Baal Shem Tov came. The hamsacha that he Shalut, that process of of creation of the divine purpose and creation being realized was entering a new stage, an unprecedented stage. And that new stage involved the themselves becoming revealed as light. And so, so because of that, the Pasuk started to say something new too. Because of that, when, when the Baal Shem Tov looks at the words of the Navi, Umala Ha'aretz Hashem, ha'aretz K'vodo, the earth is filled with K'vod Hashem, he's seeing a different earth. He's seeing a different meaning. You see this parallel process that the revelation taking place throughout earth, throughout creation, throughout human consciousness, throughout human life, is also being reflected in in evolution of how the Torah itself is being understood. The Torah itself is is able to teach us a new layer of teaching that could never be accessed before because the world was not there yet. It's all there in those words. It's all there in those same words. But we have to arrive at them to, to see what they're really speaking to us. Another 50 years from now, those words are going to mean something else also. So of course the Baal Shem teaching was a shock to the system. Of course nobody before him said this. Because he didn't just come and say, Hey guys, I got a new idea. Listen to what I have to say. There was a new age that was unfolding. And along with that was a new form, a new depth of, of contact with God in this world. And along with that is a new layer of meaning being able to be understood from the words of the Torah. So the Torah is like this seed. The words of Torah is like the seed that that contains all of reality and all of history and all of future knowledge and consciousness in it. And, and with time, it needs to be unlocked again and again and again to show and reflect and teach what 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 that means in the present moment. We have time to read on a little bit more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In this previous Sefer, the Rabbi said, We asked the question, we discussed, what is chasidut? What is the avoda of chasidut? What's this path of, of, of divine service? It's, it's, we can't be satisfied with the explanation. Some people say, Oh, chasidut is about being excited in your, in your Torah and Tfilah and Hashem. No, it's being passionate. Because even though the truth is that is at the core of the path of chassidut. The mm-hmm. what you think the Arizal and his students and their students, the Mekubalim of all the generations, they were not enthused in a passionate flame beyond anything we could ever imagine. Of course, they were. Yet we give a new name to something new to differentiate it from what was before. And if you just want to come and say, okay, well, yes, that was true in previous generations. The inner path of Torah always involved this kind of fire, but it got, got kind of cooled down in the times before the Ba'al Shem Tov. But he reawakened it. Well, if that's the case, why, why give them a new name? Why not just say, oh, you know, it's beautiful, because if you read kind of like popular uh, books about like Jewish history or about like Hasidut or rather Hasidism, <laughs> these books say there was a, a down period of despair and, and, and despondency in the times of Europe, and European Jewry and blah, 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 after Shepat and, and the Ba'cham a spiritual renaissance that re- reawakened the Jewish spirit and taught the you know, simple man to pray with passion. Okay, it's all true. But that's not a satisfactory explanation of what's happening here. They're saying, however you want to slice it, everyone was aware that it wasn't just a repeat of something that happened before. There was something new that was being ushered into the world. There was something new catching the world by faith. So why call them Hasidim? Why not just call them Mikubalim if they were just re- returning to the path of the the mystics of before. And even more so, if they were just doing something that had been done before, why did they um, face such fierce opposition? It must be, everyone was aware that there was something new happening here. Something unprecedented. And in our words that we've spoken until now, and that with God's help, we will continue to speak. I hope to God. That for us too, get a little bit of clarity on our level of understanding, on our limited level of understanding, what is the nature of this, this beast, this creature, this reality we call Chesidu this path. Rabbi he now going to just explain and describe the process he's been discussing through the lens of different modalities of Torah study and of engagement with, with Torah and Okay? Following the, the order of of this unfolding process of creation that we've been describing. From the times of Torah Pev, the beginnings of the Oral Torah and onward, Nitgalu ha'orot betocha How were the lights being revealed within vessels? How was God being known to humanity and in the world? Ba'ish, uva'ish not only in the world, but also in human comprehension. How did people come to know about Kedusha, about God, on the, in the terminology of human experience? Through the Talmud, through the Gemara. You read the Gemara and you're reading about your own world. How does Torah, how does God's Word, how does God's vision for creation interact with the human realm? you take these fruits from this field and what do you do with them afterwards? My cow knocks over his fence. What do we do? Where is God in the human experience of day-to-day life? We're in human terminology or using a human vocabulary. The Gemara is teaching us how God's light dwells within the kalim of this world on the human plane, in human terms. And if we want to talk about how again God's presence and dwelling in this world came to be known to our human faculties in a way that we look at it and we say, Oh, this is happening on the godly realm, this is some kind of cosmic spiritual process in Kabbalah. You'd see that in Sifra Kabbalah. You know, unfortunately, the Gemara isn't really theology. This is one of the problems that people face. They learn Gemara all, all their entire lives, and they don't know how to even speak about God. Because it's, it's, it's there, but it has to be, it's kind of spread out through all these little nuggets in all these different places, and you have to pull it together and, and try to then like decode the, the language of it. But when you read Sefer Kabbalah, it's, it's basically, this is talking about God. So you can look at that and go, oh, so now I can understand this Interaction between Or and Kehli, this interaction between God and world, to, in my limited understanding, I can understand it by reading what, what's written in those Sfayim, in Sivir Kabbalah. That what's, what's, what's happening on the divine realm. All of the ways that people came to know and came to perceive God's presence in this world was through Hasaga Baseichel. In intellectual understanding, I'm learning it in the Gemara to understand how it happens in the human realm. I'm learning it in Sifik Kabbalah, if that's where I'm holding to understand it in Godly terms. Lo <speaking in> ha-chasidut. <Hebrew> this is not what is happening with chasidut. Can you close that door again? Sorry, it's, uh, distracting me. Lo keni Ham hamshachatah. The understanding, the teaching, the hishtal shalut, again, that emerging reality that Hasidut is, is is part of, or is bringing. It's not confined to the intellect alone, to an intellectual understanding. Rak It permeates everything. It's about this... Awareness, this contact with something divine happening on every level. Afbaha Even within the vessels themselves. Within the body. Within physical things. Within DNA. Matter. any Every single level that the, the or and the kalim are interacting. It's not just the light of the intellect meeting the divine that's somehow encased in a human body that has sanctified itself. No, it's it's the light of God suffusing everything and being aware of that on every level. V'im And if this hamshachah, this new age, this new level of divine revelation is, is shining through the kadim themselves, it's one of my favorite. Lines this, is this phrasing the rabbi has here in this paragraph if its primary purpose is to uncover, reveal the light that is to, also to reveal that light that is in in the lowness, in the most coarse realities. If this is the case, if this is truly what Hasidut is coming to teach and express and make known, why would the entire body be any lower or any worse or any less refined or worthy than the intellect? So yeah, because yes, we can say the body—it's—it's it's lower, it's more limited, it's more confined and constricted than the mind. The mind can do wondrous things. I—I I can look. I, the mind itself appears infinite to me, on some level. The body—body body has very clear, concrete limits and, and and confines. So yes, it's lower, it's namuch, it's less expansive than the intellect. But isn't this the main thing that it's all about? The Hasidut is all about to uncover the light that is in lowness, that is in constricted, confined, limited, physical being. That it too is holy. And based on what he's been saying, equally holy and equally divine as any other part of us, as our minds, as our souls, as our hearts. The body itself is made of the same stuff. The essence, the material, it's all, it's all just different forms of this divine uncovering. So therefore, the body itself, a person's midot themselves, they also have this pi'ula, that they affect on high. They also have this direct interaction with the godly process in, in our world. Uncovering the light that's in the lowest places. This, I don't know how many words that is, five, six words. This is the the, the rabbis uh, to this point, the su- summary of the mission statement of of the teachings of Al-Shant. The galota 'm uncovering the light that's in, in loneliness. That's in mash. Again, I feel like when we talk about like physicality, material being, it's still this theory. But I'm talking about your skin, your eyelashes, your body's movements, the food you eat, the meatlots that you have, that we have, these things have reality to them. These things affect reality. These things are no less important than my intellectual achievements and understandings and and ability to come close. What does it mean to come close to God then? What does it mean to interact with God? It's not something that's taking place in my mind. It's something that I'm engaging in with every part of of myself, with every part of my being. It's it's total. It's a full immersion. It's a mikvah. I remember Rav Shalom, uh, Shalom saying that he once went to a Hasidish Tish. I don't remember which Rebbe it was. But he said that they're at the Tish and, and the Rebbe picks up his, his hand at some point and they and they can continue on. And the Hasid who was with, with Rav Shalom told him that he has a mesora from his you know, teacher, who was teacher to teacher from the Baal Shem Tov, that at this point on Shabbos and Shalash he lifts up his hand at that position. That's it. That's it. Pick up your hand. Move it, move a body movement. It's a... The, the choreography, even on that level, there's a vodah. Even on that level of what is the body doing, of what is the body feeling and experiencing, of what is the emotion happening. On, on all of these levels, we are interacting with God. On all of these levels, of Hashem is present.